Hello everybody, it's Posty Posterson, and I've got another Super Deluxe Special Edition episode of the Sleep With Me podcast for you. These are patron-only shows. Um, we'll take a recent episode. I'll add some background music, some kind of calming, relaxing, something in the background behind Scooter. And we release these as bonus, extra, fun ways to say thanks to everyone who supports the show on Patreon. If this doesn't work for you, no problem. You should be able to find some more normal episodes in your feed. But if you want to try something just slightly different, uh, let's hop into another Super Deluxe Special Edition. sure when you'll hear this, but when I'm recording it, uh, it's now 2023. It's a new year. And I've been kind of brainstorming some fun ideas of new things we could try with these Super Deluxes uh, in 2023. If you have any ideas or requests, please get them to Scooter and he'll try to pass the message along to me. And uh, hopefully we can get some of those made. Uh, But for tonight... I've always kind of had a soft spot for older, sort of retro game music. Uh, there's something about it I find super relaxing. Stuff that sounds a bit like this. So tonight's show is still sort of just experimenting with this idea. But I've always had the urge to create kind of a series of these where we go into a 8-bit retro world sort of different biomes in that world and spend some time there with some relaxing music and scooter so have a listen to this I kind of envisioned it as an early morning in this sort of retro game world Again, this is just me sort of playing with the idea, but if it helps you get some sleep, let me know. And maybe we'll flesh out the world later on. Okay. I hope this can help you get some well-deserved sleep. And with any luck, good night. This is, uh, I don't know how this is going to go. This is a, like, I was thinking about Bunsen burner love uh, in my odes to Bunsen burners uh, that I was, you know, that I may have talked about in the intro. But then I said, Bunsen burner love reminds me of a song, like, when I was like, well, what would that be? Like, could I talk about Bunsen burners for 50 minutes? And, you know, without talk, like, without just going about Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker. And, I, but, and then I said, well, I don't know. And then I said, like, cause, but then I thought about something that I don't think I've ever talked about on the show. 
And uh, that's the song Radar Love, which I'm already embarrassed because I, I did pause it for a split second to look up. Uh, so this is going to be interesting because uh, I didn't even open. I, like, here's the thing. I had amends to make apologies to give before I even op- finished opening my mouth. Uh, so up until literally this point in my life, like T- today I learned and I'm not kidding, this is not done for the podcast. My whole life, uh, I, like, so there's a song called Radar Love, which I thought of Bunsen Burner Love. Let's let's actually do the syllables. Radar Love, that's three syllables. Bunsen Burner Love. Bunsen, that's two, unfortunately, that's two syllables. Bunsen, Bunsen, Bunsen Burner Love. Radar Love, Bunsen Burner Love. Too many syllables, so I can't, but I, that's a th- song I thought of when I thought of Bunsen Burner Love. And up until literally this point in my life, I thought that song was sung by the band Bad Company. And I'll get into a little bit of that uh, now. But it turns out it's not. I've, I've been living in yet another delusion that I've been living in, in a, in a fraught delusion. That's why I want to talk about it. So I do feel some, some relief. Uh, uh, now, those of you that are um, younger than me, you didn't have to, have to experience any of this in your life, so you're very lucky. And, you know, once I turned my will of listening to music over to Carol King, like you hear on the podcast, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about it much either, too. But... Uh, um, so what is the, where am I? So, so there's a song called Radar Love. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there's a band called Bad Company. And I'm pretty sure the lead singer of Bad Company is named Paul Rogers. And so once upon a time, when I was young, you know, we couldn't, you had to buy music. That's a whole thing. You know, there's probably going to be, or it's probably documentaries about it. Uh, you know, it's post-vinyl era. But uh, so you could buy music on CD or cassette uh, or they wanted, you know, so you like uh, whatever that that was just work. But you also listen to the radio. And I was born at a time like where there was there was still college radio, which was like independent radio. But other than that, you know, even back when I was a kid. There was most of the radio stations were owned by a few different companies and. You know, obviously they had to pay the bills, so I'm not sitting in total judgment. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of variety on the radio. Now there was more when I was when I was a lad than there is now. But there still wasn't a variety. And there was one station called Class. Like there was all, like wherever you went, there was like usually, I think there was something called Adult Contemporary. I don't know what that is. Uh, and then there's pop. I don't know if Chris Cross, like Yacht Rock is adult contemporary. I'm not kidding. I don't know what that is, but that was popular. Well, let's go through this dial of a kid when, when I was growing up in Syracuse. Uh, so it'd be two pop stations, uh, and they moved around the dial, but uh, um, one was like Z89. Uh, I don't know their call sign. Some of these I might be getting mixed up with, like, other places I've lived. But there was Z89. That was a pop station. So even, I don't know if it's still a pop station, but pop would mean Weekend, Taylor Swift, Doja Cat, uh, Bieber, uh, you know, boy bands. Uh, mi- mix, uh, like, uh, of popular songs. Like, the top four, maybe they called it Top 40 back then instead of a pop station. I don't know. But so that was in, I think, 93, Y90. There was Y94 FM. I think that was adult contemporary. And then there was 93.7. I think uh, that was also a pop station, probably Y94 FM. That was adult contemporary. I just said that. I don't know what 93 whatever was. because I can't think of it, but that was the other, I think, pop station. And and then eventually you get pop and hip-hop uh, and R&B. Anyway, I'm getting way too uh, mixed up. But So there was one type of station, and I think in Syracuse it was... 
don't know what it was called. I should know, but I think it was 95.7, but that could be in the Bay Area. But I think the Bay Area, like The Bone, was their uh, classic rock station, 107.7 The Bone. 95X, turn it up. Yeah, that's what they would say, because it was cool. Like, they'd say it like, uh, there's that freedom rock, that turn it up, but 95.7. Would I say Z, ZX9? 95.7. I, I had it, uh, but whatever. <laughs> and then at some point, then they started changing stations to, like, the Eagle. Like, instead of being the call signs were cool, they became uncool. And that I think that was about the time satellite radio appeared. Where the, again, this is not history. This is uh, just my misremembering of it. But there'd be um, like uh, 95.7 KQR. I don't know. And I have all these numbers in my head. Why did I like? Uh, is that Freedom Rock? No, is that 95.7? Turn it up, man. I forgot what it was called, but th- that station was called Classic Rock. Now, in the 90s, what was Classic Rock? Classic Rock was anything from the Beatles. I think it then, the, after that, it w- was whatever. But, uh, like, uh, for the most part, it was limited, unfortunately, to about, uh, I don't know if it was 100 songs, 50 songs, or 200 songs. Oh, it would be good to do that research. But it was not a lot of songs in repetition, and there's a, like a like people t- like usually like radio stations in order to stay in business they have a pretty heavy ad load you say so it's like a, if there's an hour of, or for thirty minutes of radio I think even then the ad load was pretty heavy like a, where it was like forty percent ads or whatever understandably because you're listening for free in your car. And so you'd like change the dial, but uh, so whatever. I listened to the classic rock was one of the radio stations I listened to, and because you know there was some classic rock, but I developed okay. And let me place another picture here for you. A lot of jobs I had, you know, you weren't allowed to wear like you weren't allowed to have a personal device for listening to audio because it would be considered inappropriate. So you weren't allowed to, like, have headphones on at a lot of my jobs. Uh, uh, so, and even if you did, th- we'll, we'll get into that. But I did have, like, when I was a uh, cleaner, uh, like, cleaning apartments and doing landscaping and mopping, cleaning bathrooms. Like, when we were cleaning the apartments, like, someone would move out of an apartment and we would have to clean it uh, to get it ready for the next person to move into it or for them to lease it. Um, we would be able to listen to music or radio if we didn't make it too loud. And we would split up the apartments. Uh, so normally, here's how it would work. Uh, like two people would be assigned to clean one apartment. And I think, I don't know if you had to do two, like on the days you were trying to turn over apartments, you already had like your, uh, like your morning work until our morning meeting I think I've talked about this. This was my summer and winter job when I wasn't in university, school at university or college or whatever you want to call it. Like, so what you do, walk you through this. Who would have known? Bad, talk about bad guy. My middle name's Bad Company. But so you would show up to work and you'd have, I think we had to get to work at 7.30. I think we worked 7.30 to 4, 9 to 5. Because we didn't get paid for, I think we got a 30 minute break, so eight to four, or, or there was unpaid 30 minutes. I don't know. Yeah, 30 minutes paid break and 30 minutes of unpaid break. Uh, so you had to be at work for eight and a half hours. So, so I think we got to work at 7:30, and we would you'd have your morning assignment, right? So you would go. My morning assignment, I worked in the lobby with, uh, I'm sure I've told this story before, but maybe it's just in my personal life. But so I'd clean the lobby bathrooms and there was a, we would va- vacuum and mop uh, the, the lobby and cl- clean anything else that needed to be done. I worked with this guy, Jim. He was the main lobby guy. So I'd be Jim's assistant. Then we would have a morning meeting, everybody that worked there and our supervisors, uh, the superintendent and the assistant superintendent, they would say, like, uh, 
they'd go there'd be like there was a board with all the apartments like where they were like uh, if they needed to be cleaned or painted i don't know if you cleaned or painted first uh probably had to clean it and then paint it i don't i don't remember now painting was they had a painter so like because that's like a, a skill so paul was the painter and they also had uh, like people that were skilled maintenance people. So again, we didn't do any fixing anything. We, like I was just a cleaner. I think that was my technical job, cleaner or summer help or something. I don't know. But so there'd be a list of apartments, or there'd be other jobs like uh, that had to be done. But so you'd have to turn over these apartments. So you usually get assigned an apartment with somebody else. Uh, and uh, probably a set time and again i don't know how i mean you wouldn't want to be in an apartment for the like even for the full six hours uh don't think you, you you probably had maybe four hours or less in an apartment again there's a lot of other work to be done so i, I guess i don't quite remember how long and there was different apartments like there's studios which i think they called efficiencies in one bedrooms and maybe two bedrooms. I don't know if there was very many two bedrooms. So this was a, a uh, uh, like, a, this was only for adults. Uh, like, it wasn't a retirement building because it was just apartments. But it was for adults over a certain age. I don't know if it was 55 or 65 or 60. But uh, so, okay, but none of that's important. So you'd clean the apartments and you would be assigned there. I just wanted to, like, set the mood. In the apartments, I don't think there was any carpet normally. Linoleum floors or tile, like some sort of, not, not linoleum, tile. That would be the last thing you would do, is to clean, wax, and polish the floors. And again, the waxing, and you take the wax off. Like, all those were skills that I, I eventually learned, but the wa I don't think I ever got the waxing of the floor down because it wasn't, it was a permanent, wa you know, it was a temporary permanent wax. So you'd strip the floors. I think you strip the floors first before you clean it. Yeah, maybe, but you don't wax it until the, the la that's like the last thing you do after everything else is done because then it has to dry. So probably would go painting... Uh, then cleaning, then waxing. Okay, but we're focused on the cleaning. So normally if you had a partner, the first thing you would do is you'd decide, um, like, the, 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 like you'd think, oh, the bathroom's going to be the worst, but the bathroom wasn't the worst job. So it was the kitchen, and normally you would divvy up the kitchen for two two or three jobs. So I think you'd either get the appliances or the cabinets because this was a generation of people that uh, I think at the time you could still smoke cigarettes in your place. And, so, and there was a lot of kitchen cabinets. And so cleaning the kitchen cabinets was like you'd either have to clean the kitchen cabinets or the refrigerator and the stove, the oven. And so you'd, you'd decide who was going to do each one of those or you'd switch it off or somebody got into the apartment earlier and saw the fridge. And like, so sometimes you'd decide before you went in there and you'd get really unlucky uh, uh, because uh, anything could be clean. I mean, if it got to a certain point, you'd, they'd replace it uh, and eventually replace all the stoves and ovens. That was like when I was working there in both buildings. These are two apartment towers. So uh, you decide, okay, who's going to clean the oven and the stove and who's going to clean the, uh, the cabinets? And you'd also have to clean, well, the baseboards. Uh, I'm trying to think what else in the apartment. All the fixtures, uh, anything. So what else do you have to clean? All the, the plates, you know, the switches and stuff, all the light fixtures, and the bathroom. So I think after the kitchen, you divvied up. Like one person would do the bathroom and one person would probably do everything else. I don't know. I'll think of it eventually. And yeah, so I'm guessing if it was a one bedroom, you're talking, oh, the windows. Those are, you see, you'd have to clean the windows. So I guess, yeah, if you were the other person, you'd have to clean the windows and the um, everything in the apartment except for the bathroom. I don't find myself doing the bathroom too often. Like, I think some people preferred the bathroom <laughs> and some people didn't, but whatever. 
And so, but one of the key benefits of that is that someone would have a radio, so you'd set up a radio in the room. Now, um, most of the time, yeah, you would listen to classic rock uh, because uh, there wasn't many options. I mean, maybe you'd listen to pop, but then uh, you, you might get, you know, you're, I don't know, it might be like classic rock was like the one point most people could tolerate and agree on. And you couldn't, li- you know, definitely wouldn't be listening to anything like talking. I'm surprised we didn't listen to more sports talk, but uh, probably like uh, wouldn't have been too enjoyable either. But so you'd listen to the classic rock most of the time, and that would at least help you. You'd think it became an exercise in futility, to be honest with you. And this is probably why I love podcasting and making podcasts and all that stuff. Is like. Uh, that uh, like there's so much variety and, and I mean and then how lucky those of you that have just grown up in the streaming era how lucky you are now the one thing that's missing that companies are still and I've tried to tell these companies to do it is that uh, like the, the, even though there's like streaming and stuff it's like people still enjoy having somebody that's like an expert or a DJ sometimes uh, in my opinion so yeah, because you listen to the radio, but it was barely tolerable because it was really, I'm not kidding, the same 200, if, if on a best case scenario, maybe 300 songs over the week. And you would hear some songs and you just became, and this is just me, it's not my, it's not a judgment on the musical quality of this band. But one of the bands that had my ire was Bad Company. And I'm not sure why, like, uh, there was other bands, like, even at the time, like, there's, like, like Led Zeppelin, you can mostly tell, like, like is mostly good. Uh, I mean, even though they wouldn't play very deep into the Led Zeppelin catalog, or the Beatles, uh, and Rush even, like, sometimes they played Tom Sawyer too much, uh, but you still be like, okay, there's something timeless about those those bands most of the time. I mean, even in overexposure, you might have preferred not to listen to the same songs over and over again. Or whatever, Rolling Stones, there's a lot of the Who, you know, you know these, these, those are the classic rock stalwarts. But Bad Company, if you were listening to a classic rock station in the 90s for three hours, you were going to hear a Bad Company song. And I did not, I was not a Bad Company fan. I mean, at some point, but let's read about them from Wikipedia. They're an English rock supergroup uh, formed in 1973. Paul Rogers is a lead singer. Uh, and then they've had different lineups. Uh, let's see how many years. They were active from 73 to 82, 86 to 99, 2001 to 2002, and 2008 to present. Uh, they had great success in the 70s, so that would have been 20 years. The 90s, that's what makes, I guess, 20 years is a classic rock. Uh, their sing- singles were Bad Company. Oh, Feel Like Making Love, that's one of the songs. Uh, so maybe we could, maybe that, I don't know if we should associate that. Uh, can't Get Enough, Good Love and Gone Bad. Rock and Roll Fantasy, that's not bad. Shooting Star, Ready for Love, oh yeah, Ugh. Feel like making love. I like because it's a, like a great punchline, like for everything. Uh, but I just say it. Uh, history. So there's a Paul Rogers era. I saw Paul Rogers perform once. I was very under the influence, and I have no, so I have no idea where, what t- point in my life it was, or where it was because I was already too far gone. But I remember he was very hairy man. And I don't think he had a shirt on, or if he did, it was open to his belly. And he performed mostly bad company songs. Uh, let's see. So, let's see. Contrary to speculation, they named the band after a Jeff Bridges film. Roger stated that uh, came from a book of Victorian morals that showed a child looking up at an unsavory character against the lamppost and said, beware of bad company. There was two, four seasons of musicians uh, from a couple different bands. Their debut album came out in 74. 
It reached number one on the 200 chart in the U.S. and number three in the U.K. Certified five times platinum. Can't get enough and moving on. 75, their second album, Straight Shooter, came out. Uh, number three in the U.K. and U.S., but went platinum in the U.S. Good Love and Gone Bad and Feel Like Making Love. Uh, third album, Run With The Pack, uh, reached number four, that was 76. Uh, then uh, Burning Sky in 77, so they put out an album a year, smart, I mean, smart business. Uh, then they, you know, had it on and off. Uh, Brian Howe, uh, they took over 85, uh, looks like they replaced... Uh, Rogers already had a new supergroup called The Firm. I don't. I definitely didn't see him in the night. Maybe the late nineties or aughts. Let's see. But yeah, they formed a new supergroup, uh, and they had other albums and stuff. Uh, and this is no offense to like the only my issue with Bad Company is just overexposure to those same songs, uh, like familiar, like whatever they call it, whatever they call it. Whoa. Return of Paul Rogers, 98 to 2008. Uh, so maybe that is when I saw him. I don't know. I have to ask around at uh, my friends because it's like, when did I see Bad Company and where? Or Paul Rogers? I mean, it could have been at a music festival. I remember he was very enthusiastic, uh, very sweaty, very hairy, but gave it his all. And we probably had fun. Uh, I don't know. So... So that's about bad company. Um, I don't know why. So, okay, but so up until, I guess it took me 20 minutes or something to explain that. Up until the, today in my life, I assumed the song Radar Love, which I guess I can see because they have different love songs. Like, I really like, like so there's a song called Radar Love, which we'll talk about in the Bunsen Burner. I don't know how it will relate it to Bunsen Burners, but we will. But it turns out Radar Love is, I just learned this, by the Dutch rock band Golden Earring. And I, like, I really like Radar Love, and the only thing I had against it, well, one, it was a slightly overexposure, but it has a couple different, like it's one of those songs that has a couple different acts in it, uh, or feels like it changes. And it has a couple different feels uh, to it, uh, like there's like a part where you're driving and they're talking about driving and then the rock comes in and then it comes back out and there's like a like a not a quiet desperation but a desperation that I like about it. So we'll talk about it and maybe to think about how Bunsen burners relate. But uh, it was news to me that it wasn't by Bad Company and that was like other than slight overexposure on classic rock radio. That was my only other beef was like. Uh, I love Radar Love, but I loathe Bad Company. Only, again, nothing against Bad Company. Just my, It's my issue only. Nothing against Bad Company, just my feelings about them. So let's find out about R Radar Love and maybe Golden Earring before we get into the lyrics. Uh, uh, let's see, this is mostly like technical stuff, so we might just have to get into like uh, cover versions. It's been covered by Tribe 8 Ministry, U2, R.E.M., Ian Stewart Donaldson, uh, Blue Man Group, Def Leppard, and a lot of other bands. Holy cow. Ghost Dance. I'm going to have to look up some of these covers and listen to them. It was in Guitar Hero, since featured in a Simpsons episode twice, two different ones. And in the movie Baby Driver and George Clooney's film that just came out, The Tender Bar. So I guess I'm not the only person that likes this song. Let's see. It hit the charts. Uh, in, it came out in 74. Uh, 13 in the U.S. Billboard. Uh, U.K. single 7. Number one in Spain. Number one in the Netherlands. Uh, but I mean, it had a long... It must have been like some sort of super platinum or whatever. I think Golden Earring maybe had another... I don't know if... Let's see. Golden Earring. Whoops, that's the wrong button. They're a Dutch rock band founded all the way back in 61 in The Hague uh, as the Golden Earrings. Uh, 
Radar Love, they had a song Twilight Zone and When the Lady Smiles, 30 top 10 singles on the Dutch charts, 25 albums. And I can hear someone saying their name, so maybe that's like a factoid. People tried to say, that song's not by Bad Company, it's by Golden Earring. And I said, thanks for, uh, not, I loathe, oh, do you know that I loathe Bad Company? But that's only my own bad feelings. So, okay. So let's think about this here. So now that we've, now we've gotten that out of the way, let me look up the lyrics. Uh, radar love lyrics, and uh, and then oh, oh boy, wrong way. And then look up uh, feel like making love lyrics. Uh, feel like making Bunsen burner lyrics to you. I don't know, I always like punctuating, I like, feel like, make, like, uh, not like it, when I mean it, uh, okay, let's start out with Bunsen Burner. So this goes out, this, so picture me again, back towards the intro, as a boy in a class, so once upon a time we had these uh, science classrooms in high school. And one of my great, you know, I think I'd seen the movie E.T. And and I've watched enough movies to know that uh, this is where rom-coms, like the first sparks of romance happen. Mostly, or one of the places they happen, other than, you know, random collisions, is across the, the tables in a, chem, you know, I guess it would be chemistry lab and not a... Well, that's we, right. Like a bio, like oh, because you would you, be a lab you'd use for biology or chemistry. I think we had two different labs, and I'm thinking about it. We did it at my high school. We had a bio lab and a chemistry lab because I can remember the desk, the teacher's desk was in different places. Because uh, I'm picturing my chemistry, my chemistry teacher was also our economics teacher, uh, Mr. P. And uh, I talked about that one other time, I think, about the economic stuff. Um, and Mark was my partner in chemistry. or may, No, I guess that was economics. I wonder if he was also... Maybe we had economics and chemistry together. Like, uh, that wouldn't make a lot of sense, but it would, you know. But anyway, uh, chemistry labs and in, in, in science labs anywhere. Now they call it... I don't know if they have a STEM lab. But this is where... For me, no romance ever happened there, except for the ones I saw on the big screen. But I always hoped it would happen. I can, and I can remember forlorn feelings, both uh, of my classmates, uh, but also thinking about uh, that's very um, Freudian, I guess. Uh, there's nozzles and uh, connectors and heat and warmth and, and sparks, uh, chemicals, you know, bind, I don't know if they're binding, you know, they're mixing and intermingling. Heady stuff for, for a high school student, you know. But also for a person like me, who I guess we maybe we should run through my history with, I think I've talked about chemistry sets before. Once upon a time, that was like what you would ask for when you, like when they said you're too old. At some, any point, if you watched enough television and movies like I did, you asked for a chemistry set. And this was prepubescence, uh, where you would hope a chemistry set would, would unlock the powers of the universe. Now, for some people, it did because they actually took the time to read the instructions and stuff like that. Uh, and I was already t doing, running my own experiments before that, uh, based on nothing more than what, uh, you know. So, but so, yeah, you. I think more than once I got one. And I would proceed to kind of do stuff to be like, well, you know, let's we'll, we'll see, we'll see if we could take it, you know, like uh, adjust our house's foundation or, uh, you know, this makes things smell not good. Or, you know, you know, whatever uh, stuff, you, you know, let's see what this happens with this stuff. And it was a different era. I'm sure that uh, they were like, yeah, whatever. You give it to the kids. Uh, they'll figure it out. Put a, you know, put a label. You know, you know this is, might have been pre-label area. You know, a lot of the tests, uh, <laughs> the tests, they, they, you know, I was the kid that, that uh, but so... I did get get a chemistry set, at least one or some, and then probably other of my siblings did. And I remember one that was nicely organized and, and it had a, like a slot for everything. 
and back then, yeah, it was like like it was the day. I was like, okay, if I can just get this right, uh, once again, I guess it, then it projected into the, the lab. Uh, everything else is going to fall into place if I could just mix these, you know, right elements. Uh, you know, then I'll, emotionally I'll feel fine. That didn't happen, but uh, you know, I tried. And then that, I guess, projected into these labs where I would sit there and I had already had that sense that it was this one day sense, right? That one day. And, and then I had, like, I think then I was like, one day I'm going to get into the, one of those labs, like in the movies where there's nozzles and I'm going to, you know, do some Bunsen burning. I'm going to get a beaker. I'm going to get one of those other things, uh that, you know, those bubblers and those tubes with the swirl. I'm going to do some swirly stuff. I'm going to do some, I don't know what what distillation is. uh, Or, you know, I'm going to unlock chemical bonds, man. I'm going to do some chemical bonding, and then it's going to be okay. And I remember sitting in that class, like I said in the intro, and just, like, touching, because they were this special kind of silver, really well-made. You had a at least our labs uh, in the archety- so the archetypal biochem labs for me had these thick black tabletops. Couldn't even write in them, but you know they were made to I don't know absorb whatever. And uh, you know you sat up. I think you sat on stools because you were up high. And then there was those nozzles, and like I said, that most of the time the teacher had them turned off or they weren't connected to anything. But I would, I would, I can feel it in my hands right now. That hard, cold metal that would get warmer and warmer under my touch, uh, and just wondering if I turned the thing, if the gas was on, if I'd get in trouble because it would make a noise or a smell, and everybody knew that I was the one stroking the. Uh, and that's what I was doing, like uh, just a substitute, I guess, for other things. Like I'd do, like running my hands softly over the touching those nozzles uh, and thinking about plugging that tube in there and then that attaches to the Bunsen one day. And they probably were like, you're going to need five permission slips to, when we do actually use the Bunsen burner, maybe your parents should actually be here uh, with you because, uh, but yeah, it's like, oh, Bunsen, when I think about you, I think, oh, do I think about love, uh, Oh, Bunsen burners, uh, I, you know, I don't want to live w- 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 like I couldn't wait to, to, to hold you in my hand to connect you together uh, in your love that you would bring me somehow. Wasn't sure how. Like those golden dreams I had. Uh, like uh, I wasn't dreaming of my yesterday. Yesterday I was dreaming of my future uh, to wrap you the heavenly rapture of connection <laughs> uh you know to 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 forever 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 oh boy on the way because i felt like you know making bunsen burner love oh did i feel like making bunsen did i feel like making bunsen feel like making bunsen burning with you oh bunsen burner yeah, because Bo Bunsen, if I think about you, I think about, like, not just love, but the underlying feelings that lead to love, the spark, uh, a big bang within me, right, be- like, below my stomach, uh, up, up, shooting up right now. I can still feel it. I feel titillated, and I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, without you, Bunsen burner, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do, I couldn't, I couldn't make without the, the connector, the valves, uh, and the, th- you know, that slotted thing in the tube, I couldn't make a Bunsen burner anyway. And now, you know, I don't, I don't ask for much. I don't need the sun. I don't need the moon. I don't need the sun to shine on me. Uh, I just want to get connected to that rubber tube and then he turn that valve. Uh, maybe use that sparky thing that looks like a cup and you push it together uh, and hear it and, and then hear that sweet, sweet thing that sounds like a fan at night that helps me sleep. Uh, so satisfying. 
because my whole life I felt like Bunsen burning. Oh, felt like making a Bunsen burn. Oh, feel like making a Bunsen burn. Feel like making a Bunsen burn with you. Like I said, these are the golden dreams I had as a lad. Uh, not a lot of lyrics here. I could bring me to bring me to, to another place. Uh, take me away, Bunsen burner. Burn, you know, but re, it could be reborn just by watching you, by hearing your power. Oh, on my, I'm on the way. I'm going somewhere. I'm gonna be somebody. Cause I feel like Bun, I feel like Bunsen and feel like Bunsen burning. I feel like Bunsen burning. I feel like Bunsen burning. I feel like Bunsen burning with you, Bunsen burner. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I do. I feel like Bunsen burning. I do feel like burning my Bunsen. I do feel like burning my Bunsen with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's repetitive, though. So, uh, so that's uh, like a feel, feel like Bunsen burning. But, you know, I've been sitting in science class in the lab, uh, my hands uh, sweating on the valve. Uh, there's a voice in my head that drives the heel of my palm. It's this sweet, sweet voice calling from deep within me. It feels so good. It feels like what I imagine. Love and two-way attraction feels like it's saying, I need you to turn me. Uh, and it's like uh, halfway through class and I'm, I'm turning you, Valve, shifting you a little bit. But when that valve gets lonely, you know, it's a longing. Oh, my longing too for that connection. It's too much. Uh, that valve needs a tube, you know, coming in from a Bunsen. Uh, don't need nothing at all. Uh, uh, because I got a thing, it's called Bunsen Burner Love. Uh, I got a wave of my palm to turn that knob. It's Bunsen Love. You know, there's a song playing in my head. It doesn't even have a tune. It just has that feel. Uh, not even a forgotten song. And I can feel the need to turn that valve and connect it and, and let it flow. Let that gas flow. This knob, this Bunsen burner's got me hypnotized, and I'm, 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 I'm ready to start the Bunsen burning surprise. Because uh, I got a thing, it's called Bunsen burner love. Uh, I've got a lot of love for the Bunsen, Bunsen burner love, man. Yeah, I don't need like I don't need to speed. I can take my time. Uh, but I gotta, I gotta play it cool because the teacher's looking my way. Gotta take care. If only I could be alone with you, Bunsen Burner, and uh, nozzles. Uh, it's coming on strong, and I have feeling to turn you, to connect you, to light your fire, baby. And uh, yeah, I can hear it on, they'll probably be talking about it, I, you know, but, but, but Bunsen, but they could call me Bunsen Boy. They could call me Nozzle Boy. See, were you, are you stroking the nozzle there? Uh, and I see, yeah, I got Bunsen burner love. Uh, you know, w when I get lonely, and I'm sure I've had enough, uh, that Bunsen burning touch comes in. It's almost like it comes in from above. Uh, I don't need nothing, nothing else at all but my hand on that nozzle and the attachment of the hose because uh, I got a thing it's called Bunsen Love uh, I got a fire from my belly to the sky I got a thing it's called Bunsen Burner Love uh, I got a thing it's called Bunsen Love man so yeah that's my my ode to you Bunsen Burner but I, yeah, I mean, I, I think about uh, that. Some people might say, we, and we we could we'll, we'll just spend a few more minutes dissecting this because you're right. Uh, what is it about this? Uh, oh, Freud! What would you, you, Jung and Freud, are watching now, and all the greats, uh, 
you know, rolfing with me, you know, rolfing at my expense. But yeah, they know it's the truth because wherever they are, the big farm in the sky, all those people have known me. They saw me there. So let's like think about it. Uh, I mean, the truth is, right? I, I wanted, I was yearning for a fiery connection. I was yearning for. Well, I'm trying to think about this. Well, let's just talk about it metaphorically and truthfully. Uh, so there was the the cold metal, uh, and this, but this unfamiliarity, right? This newness. It was uh, it was tactile. There's two knobs uh, and two nozzles normally for each side of the desk. There's something shiny about it, right? I hadn't really been exposed to it, but there's also something concrete. There was a weight to it. Even though you didn't have to hold it up, you could sense the mass in your hand. That This was well made. Even when I tapped on it multiple times... Uh, held the handle. This wasn't a handle for water, like a normal handle I had had experience with. You know who'd like this is Chuck Tingle. I'm feeling like this is a bit of a tingler, but uh, indirect tingler uh, in my hand, and, and you know I could move it, and, and I had some control, even though the authority figure may have uh, turned off the control to the actual gas. Uh, at this point, it was just like a, a, like a dream, like a fantasy. I guess that's like a rock and roll fantasy. Instead, I had a Bunsen burner fantasy, and it really was that simple. Like, uh, let's play it out that the gas is on. And then there's the nozzle, and there's something about those nozzles, too. The weight, the mass, the strength, uh, but the, the, the different notches on there. No, that that really got me, man. You got me. Holy cow, do you? There's something again tactile. I could put my finger on it and bump it down each notch, uh, and then again go in each notch. I could tap the tip of my finger against that little circle that the gas came out. Right? Uh, maybe you even make a sound if the classroom was quiet enough and people were probably taking a test or whatever I was supposed to be paying attention for. Hey, you had my full attention. Every inch of you, holy moly. And again, I'm not even doing this to be funny. This is just capturing this truthful moment that I had over and over again. And yet it has, uh, like, other things in there. But this is also a real moment I had. I shared moments with a Bunsen burner, whatever, not, you know, whatever the heck the, the term for the thingamajig is. Uh, Bunsen wouldn't burn without it, right? And that's how I spent most of my time, was just with that nozzle and the handle and the metal apparatus, uh... But then there was a time, and I believe the Bunsen burners had red hose. Uh, sometimes the hose had been trimmed. Uh, it was well-worn, you know. I went to a school that uh, probably didn't get Bunsen burners, but every maybe the Bunsen burners had been there the whole time. But it had uh, that hose, so I could feel the rubbery hose in my hand and the light... Uh, somewhere between red and faded red and maroon. And finally, I would get to connect it to the connector and make sure it was snug, right? Uh, no gas. But then you say, okay, is it snug? I don't want to over-snug it, you know. And then the teacher's telling us what to do. And then down that hose, it ran to the actual Bunsen burner, which was a little bit like a metal candle. Nothing, you, and then you say, this is what it, all it is. It's just a tube with a base. And then it has this thing. And that's it. Uh, that's where the magic happens. Uh, and then normally it would either be attached to the thing you would put the, um, not the beaker, but whatever the heck the thing is that you'd hold stuff in. And again, the teacher would probably go over making sure you use something that's Pyrex and, you know, all the rules... Maybe that's as far as we were allowed to get, but it, usually there was a stand. There was also a different kind of metal, but still, uh, he, you know, a heavy, strong metal that maybe you could attach to the base of the Bunsen burner, or maybe you just slipped, slid the Bunsen burner underneath there. 
not sure about that because I wasn't really interested in that or the beaker or the chemical reaction. Like, uh, I was interested, I guess, in the, you know, I'd already got most of my interest in that long tube. And for me, what that was really what it was about. It's like, wait a second, so I get to turn this, and maybe there was some anxiety that first time, that second time, that third time, that tenth time. You know, did I get the tube on? Again, this is, I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. Uh, this is really what it was like for me, and not even speaking in a metaphor. I'm not speaking in a metaphor. Yeah, though the people in heaven are laughing like it is a metaphor. And they say, no, no, this was just a... Uh, this is what I had. Uh, uh, then it's like, okay, now I had a mixture. And then maybe if your lab partner was there, maybe you were discussing, were you working as a team or as an individual? Where they were like, the teacher said, Andy, you cannot be involved in this at all other than as an observer and a setter-upper. So maybe that's why I had so much investment on just those parts. But yeah, you'd have the thing majig that made the spark... Uh, you would turn the gas on, and then they had to be like a blue, yellowy, orangey, golden flame, and that sound, that sh- I can't do it on a sleep podcast because it comes, there's more uh, water in it and more tongue, uh, and it would, co- it would make that sound. Uh, and again, I knew that that's where I had to maintain control. Up until then, I had been totally lost in you. I knew that... Uh, that's where I had to be, behave appropriately because then, the, like I said, well, if you mess with it once it's on, you whatever, you probably got to go to the principles. Like for me, once a Bunsen burnt, you know, I didn't want to lose the rest of it, the process I'd just been through, the connection. Maybe that's what I was really, like, looking for there, not the metaphor you're all thinking of and giggling about, which is fine. I know that's what it was like. The connection that something flows through. It's connecting and opening the valve. Uh, and yeah, maybe for me it didn't always result in a flame, a burning, burning flame. But it was like loving that. Uh, that's what I was looking for. Connection and flow. Some would say that it's released. I said, no, 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 no. That's your metaphor, not mine. So, it, I don't know, I guess I'm, I, I didn't realize this is where it would go. I'm not, like, uh, but that's where I came from, from the intro. It's like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Uh, I always had Bunsen burner on my mind. Always on my mind. So thank you to Golden Earring and, and Bad Company and Paul Rogers and uh, Classic Rock for leading me here. Uh, it's quite a, I didn't think this is where we'd end up, uh, but yeah, eventually you turn the valve off and let stuff cool down. And then you take it apart. Uh, I don't know how if they used a timer for that or how they did that. Probably we're supposed to. We had gloves and goggles and smocks on. Almost positive about that part, but I didn't think about that because all like I'm, all my focus was drawn in on that handle, and that tube, and that metal, and that's where I just that's my experience. Uh, I'm sure other people had a different experience. Uh, I'm sure people were watching me being like that poor kid. But hey, I'm grateful uh, to be able to rest my hand on something and let it slowly warm up under my touch uh, so that it can relax and expand and unwind.